Hi and welcome to the Homeopathy Health Show. I am Atik Hamadbati, a fourth generation homeopath with over 20 years of professional experience in this field of healing. In the Homeopathy Health Show, I'll be talking all things homeopathy and natural with guest interviews, tips and advice and answering some of your questions. Homeopathy is truly a unique complementary system of healing suitable for all ages, young and old. I'd love to hear from you and welcome your questions on homeopathy and how it can or has helped you. Feel free to email me at health at liketreatslike.co.uk or visit www.liketreatslike.co.uk for more information. Once you're there, take a look at the Knowledge Academy and blog section where you will find interesting information. Both sections are growing day by day, so always check back. So let's begin today's show on UK Health Radio, the world's number one talk health radio, real feel-good radio. I'm delighted to introduce my special guest this week, Luke Norland. Now Luke has a homeopathy practice in Froome and Bristol, combining this with his role as the UK coordinator for Radar Opus and his teaching work actually at the School of Homeopathy. Luke has a very interesting background actually, with similarities to my own experience growing up. He grew up sharing his family home with the School of Homeopathy, which is based in Gloucestershire, run by his father, Misha Norland, who was also one of the founding members of the Society of Homeopaths. Now, even more interesting is that Luke studied classical music before homeopathy. Luke, I'm absolutely delighted to have you on the show today. Thank you so much. How are you? Thank you. I'm well. It's a pleasure to be here and uh, and be talking about homeopathy with you. Uh, and uh, yeah, it seems that there are similarities in our stories and uh, that uh, we both have it in our family, in the DNA, so to speak. So um, Absolutely. Yeah, well, today theory, actually seems to be a show of similarities or, or <clears throat> similars. So mm. um, we're certainly on the right track, aren't we here, as far as the law of similars goes, uh, similia similibus, a truly yes. great start. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And um, <laughs> I remember one of the things that my uh, my father doesn't run the school anymore. He he passed away, sadly, but um, Manny's running it now. So it's a real family business. So the, my oldest, you know, my oldest brother, Misha's first son is um, running the school. But I, it, yeah, talking about the law of similars, it reminds me of something that Misha always used to teach the students and um, talking about the, you know, the, the basic principles of homeopathy. And um, if you think of um, something that is similar to a lemon, that's quite easy. You can think of other citrus fruits or like oranges and grapefruits or other things that are spherical or there's different kind of levels of the similarity. But if you try and think of something that is completely opposite to a lemon, now what would that be? It could be anything, really. Is it something that is square? Is it something, is it just a piece of furniture? Is it, um, you know, it could be absolutely anything. So it's much harder to find a true opposite to um, anything. And um, that's, you know, we're looking at the two different systems of medicine, homeopathy and allopathy. And um, yeah, homeopathy is based on the law of similars, which uh, is is much easier thing to work with conceptually, actually. Absolutely. I 100% agree with you. I think it's in our design brief to heal from things. Um, you know, that is, uh, you know, it's, it's not, yeah, it's not something that God left out of the, um, you know, design, if you like. And um, 
when everything's working as it should be in the organism, in the body, um, we're capable of healing from things. And homeopathy in, is working with that principle and supporting it rather than um, saying from a place of, no, you need, you know, you need to take this medication to get better. Your body can't do it itself. And of course, there are some cases where people can be severely, um, you know, you've got to work with the vital force or the, you know, the immune system of the person. And, the, you know, so if their level of health is very compromised, then it's, you know, harder to get that kind of chain reaction going with homeopathy. And there are, there are lots of things that weaken the vital force and, and um, you know, and taking strong medicines is, is one of them. And um, there are many things really in like modern society that kind of weaken vitality and, um, I don't want to. Mm. I don't want to do a big shopping list, but um. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're, you're welcome to do that. But um, yeah. you're absolutely right. The things mm. that I've seen, and I'm sure Luke, you are a testament to this as well. Mm. The things that you have encountered with patients, mm. and how they have recovered, sometimes with one single dose. Um, yeah. Sometimes with several, perhaps. Yeah. Uh, every patient is different, but the results yeah. are just profound, and yeah, they're lasting results. Yeah, nice. yeah. And until you experience it for yourself, that can be hard to fathom. And um, I, you know, as you know, I was brought up, my father, a homeopath. So I was treated for all sorts of things. As a child, uh, I had warts on my eyelid and on my thumb. And I, you know, distinctly remember getting, you know, getting teased, getting ribbed at school for that and feeling very ashamed, you know, about it. You know of having this sort of blemish and uh eventually with pulsatilla um they went away and you know that's quite magical but when you're mm. young you don't really like um think about it too much you sort of take it for granted um and then when i was older and i was at music college studying classical music which is a cutthroat <laughs> kind of business by the mm. way even though it's mm. about artistry and musicality um <clears throat> and i was struggling in that environment i'd moved from you know, Devon, the countryside, you know, uh, a sort of simple, you know, way of life where, you know, you're a big fish in a small pond and I'd moved to London. It was a very competitive environment. And I developed a boil um, on the top of my bum and I didn't tell anyone about it. I didn't want to, you know, I, I never went to, I had no experience really of going to GP and I was ashamed of it. So I didn't talk about it. Then when I went home and talked to my father and you know showed it to him and uh, we spoke about it and he asked me lots of connection like questions that seemed very disconnected to that uh, were more about my life and my personality and um, what was going on for me um, and then he went to his drawers and pulled out a remedy and gave me one and then two weeks later the the boil had stopped you know discharging pus and it dried up and um, I was like wow <laughs> uh you know, that's quite incredible that homeopathy can do that. And I think that put me on the path of, you know, wanting to explore healing modalities. Um, after that, I started reading astrology properly and studying astrology um, whilst I was a music student. Um, and then many years later, I got into doing massage therapy was my sort of gateway into um, working within the healing arts. Mm. Yeah. It's uh, interesting as you were speaking about your father there misha norland i remember um the stories i, I my my grandfather passed away obviously before um 
I say obviously, but uh, sadly, I should say, passed away before I could sort of meet him. Um, but I remember that um, my father used to recount stories that, you know, your your grandfather used to say to me that he used to give, uh, um, somebody would be sick and he would give uh, one dose and these mm. doses were not even repeated. So true classical mm. homeopathy. And mm. uh, the patient would respond and they'd get better and, and he'd always have remedies in his pocket, for example. Mm. Um, so it's just fascinating that a sugar mm. A sugar pill, a sugar globule, or a, or a, yeah. you know, a lactose-based tablet, which has just a drop of a medicine on there, be it arnica to belladonna to zincomet, whatever it can be, has such a profound healing effect on the body, on the vital force, on the immunity, on the mm-hmm. psyche, on the soul. Yeah, you know how how incredible is that? And yeah. you know, I, I just, you know. Um, you can see the passion you can feel yeah 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 yeah. (laughs) just want to shout from the rooftops that look there is something here yeah look oh people you know of earth there is something here to help and assist you Mm. be it complementary be it in an integrative Mm. approach sure um and uh it's just it's just incredible yeah and it's hard to explain when you live in a society that has a materialistic mindset you know, mm. which has been on the rise since the Industrial Revolution and, you know, Newtonian physics. And, um, you know, Hahnemann came before all of that. And from, uh, you know, when vitalism was, um, you know, not trashed in the way that it is now. And vitalism is just about seeing everything in the world as being living and sentient. And what's, you know, what's wrong? That is, that is true, really. Mm. And um, <clears throat> even though the Newtonian worldview likes to view everything as sort of um, in a mechanical way. And, you know, this leads to that reaction and, you know, an equal and opposite rea- reaction and all of that. That's true. But there, there are also other truths. And none of us see ourselves as like the outcome of randomized reactions uh, according to our resident DNA. We don't see ourselves in that way. You know, we have wishes and desires and and a will and, um, you know, and, and peculiar talents and, you know, all of those things make us who we are. Um, so, yeah. And the people who kind of come up with the, you know, who are of the materialistic mindset, then they must have come to those opinions mm. via random DNA rather than their own <laughs> thought. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So there's a yeah. real contradiction in the materialist worldview. It's, it's um, yeah, it, it's, it's become very, it's become very challenging, hasn't it? Life. It's yeah. a challenge because we have to, there's certain, you know, we have to conform to certain things and, uh, you know, to be expressive yeah. is difficult. It's challenging to be expressive. Each individual human being has its his or her own set of fingerprints. That yeah. in, enough is testimony to how unique each human being is. Yeah. And uh, not, we, can, we can't be put into modules. It's very, very difficult. Yeah. No, that's right. And it's one of the really powerful aspects of seeing a homeopath is that your um, <clears throat> your subjective reality is um, given very is given credence, uh, mm. and you're you're in the you're the expert. You know yourself the best, not the homeopath. They're not the expert. They're you know I like to have a very simple mind when I'm with somebody so that my mind isn't um, disturbing. Uh, me or them do you know what I mean Mm. and um, one of the questions I like to ask is um, you know please describe that in really simple language as though you were talking to a child you know just 
cuts out all of the theorizing or rationalizing about it because uh, we're so used to compensating for our weaknesses and our vulnerabilities and it's a kind of nice bypass to mm. you know, uh, get someone to talk about their vulnerabilities a little more and explore their subconscious a little more which no one asks us to do really in life I was speaking to Colin about this and I've mentioned it actually to every guest on the show so far but uh, uh, every individual every human has a story to tell and you know I, I i believe that very very strongly and of course it's it's true but it just takes time for somebody to sit down and listen and yeah. i find during a homeopathic consultation i personally have even though the patient is unwell but i've never walked away from a consultation where i actually haven't learned something yeah you know so such is the the manner of expression that comes out during a consultation because we're looking at the person holistically it's not just a cough and a cold or, or or an abscess like you mentioned or a boil or it there's there's deeper meanings and in at least over 70 percent of the time uh it's the emotion mental emotional blockage um or trauma that one has gone through no matter how mm. short-lived it may be even yeah um that is the indication you know to to what is actually going on at, at, a, at a psyche level yeah absolutely and um you know Many different homeopaths talk about that. Hahnemann mentions it in his organon, which you have there in the in your background. And Kent, of course, talks about it. And people can find it, um, people can find that challenging to accept. But I think most of us know it to be the truth. <laughs> that um, if we suppress things at a mental, emotional level, the organism is linked. The mind and the emotions and the body are interwoven. And if that disturbance is suppressed at their mental emotional level, it's got to get out of the organism in some way. Mm. And that's when you develop, when we, when we say you somatize something, it, it means that the body is expressing it because your psyche isn't allowed to express it. This is fascinating. I'm loving this. <laughs> now I wanted to, we can talk for hours, by the way. Um, I'm sure we could. I wanted to yeah. ask you actually, um, what was it like growing up in a homeopathic environment? So I was answering this question myself because somebody asked me a few episodes back. Mm. And personally for me, it was uh, at an early age, I didn't really notice it because you get used to something and you grow up. Yeah. But as I reached some some maturity somewhat, then um, it sort of dawned on me that, oh, what what is actually going on? And I actually paid attention. And and then, of course, you know, the rest is history as such. But um, how, how was it for you growing up mm. in a homeopathic community, a homeopathic environment mm. Um, mm. on a day to day basis? Yeah, it was. Um, of course, you only know your own experience, but it was different from um, all of my friends at school. Um, we were you know, living on the outside of a small village in Devon. Uh, so it was, you know, a rural community. Um, and we were kind of like the you know the weirdos really um and you know every every month or every fortnight we'd our house would be filled with students coming to learn with my father and the other teachers that he had around him so my house was the school of homeopathy when i was growing up and um so you learn all about you know different people and then coming into your environment and you know having having a sense of community from that and um and then 
you know, there are other aspects about it, which like you say, and like I mentioned as well, you sort of take for granted when you're young, the fact that, you know, we only went to the GP probably like once or twice when we were young. Um, we didn't have vaccinations and we didn't really, you know, I remember having mumps, but, um, you know, I don't remember it being a difficult experience. And, um, and there, you know, there are some things I remember like, you know, when you have a fever and I, I used to get earaches a lot, another kind of indication for pulsatilla. Uh, and I remember in the, in the, in those times I would have all these like strange, almost hallucinations of like, you know, red people marching, um, that sort of thing. Uh, but we were given, you know, so much freedom. We had a big house. Uh, we were encouraged to um, play a musical instrument and, you know, just, yeah, given, given a lot of freedom and, um, didn't really i suppose it was a bit of a bubble um growing up in the school of homeopathy and i'm aware that my thoughts are kind of <laughs> going a little bit higgledy-piggledy here um there was something i wanted to remember yes yes there's something from school when um, everyone went to get the mmr vaccination and mm. uh, i was in like my drama class and the drama teacher was um a dragon you know nobody liked her and she put everyone off doing drama so i was in with her and everybody else apart from me went off to get their vaccination and and she started um you know being aggressive towards me because i wasn't you know, she, she was like that's incredibly stupid why aren't you getting it and um you know i just said well my parents don't want me to and then i said well you know what what do you you know how much do you know about it anyway you know i think i got a got a bit of cheek in there but um mm. yeah so there's always been like a point of difference really um and you know being that can be hard can't it i'm sure you know as well um, it, it can be it yeah. can be but uh, i was i was just going to say but do you know what now as i've aged and you know uh being a father as well and just yeah. moving on with life and having practiced for so many years um it doesn't bother me at all now. In the early days, it certainly would. I've had people who've been laughing and joking and, you know, everything that comes with anything different that you do, perhaps outside of a, uh, a regulated system, perhaps. Mm. But uh, it doesn't bother me anymore now. No. Um, I'm comfortable because I have the answers. And mm. yes, whether somebody wishes to believe or not, it doesn't matter. But as long yeah. as you give the message to them, then th at least yeah. they're aware. For you, your medicine. For me, my medicine. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To each their own. Yeah. Mm. So we, yeah, we would, we would always have um, big groups of people coming to the house and we would always have, um, you know, the summer graduation party where we'd play Paul Simon Graceland <laughs> loud <laughs> across the front lawn and, and have parties. And um, I love it. Imagine. Very idyllic um, childhood in many ways. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I remember when I was uh, 24, um, uh misha took me to india on holiday uh, me and my older brother and um it was like india was his favorite place on earth really he was uh he was a bit of a you know felt that it was his soul you know his soul belonged there really being there with him <clears throat> and seeing the uh difference in the reaction but of people when you know they asked oh, what do you do and he said homeopathy and they were like oh mm. doctor come to my house and treat my uncle and uh and we did you know and in the uk you say oh you know 
my dad's a homeopath and they're like what's you know they're like what's that or they scoff and so that was really interesting uh for me um seeing that difference and um experiencing the spirituality uh of india and seeing how homeopathy ties in with that because it's you know it's a medicine which talks about the spirit and the spirit like like you know vital force and um yeah it was really nice to to have that experience i've only been once but um yeah to just be in a country where um spirituality was like more normal mm. uh, was was a beautiful thing for me actually yeah it's it's uh, it's you know if the soul is is calm then things are generally okay you know yeah um, it's just where we get this um this constant barrage left right and center it's like um the house is warm and you open the door one day and it's you know pouring down with rain and you close the door back and, and you're within the safe confines of of the house and um or the home and sometimes you open the door and it's you know there's sleet or it's just bitterly cold and again you close the door and safety the soul i think is very much like that because and, and with the body itself that it needs to be protected but only we can protect our soul by doing the things which it needs as nourishment and mm. within that i truly believe homeopathy is is an element as far as healing is concerned hanuman himself even in his later years as you as you very well know was and in the remaining letters that he wrote moving from one place to another yeah. what to do with the fact that you know god had guided him towards this system and he wanted the best for humanity he absolutely right. loved humanity you know yeah. and that love and compassion he had yeah. um has certainly that that was part of homeopathy that is part of homeopathy yeah. you know it, homeopathy has feelings yeah yeah he was one of the first to actually treat people who were diagnosed as insane and treat mm -hmm. them humanely and talked about that very interesting man and um you know the first to really make a distinction between acute and chronic disease i mean wow that's like no one had done that before him i Absolutely. mean you know incredible what a mind and you know he he was um very unafraid to go into battle for his beliefs and his beliefs were incredibly idealistic about like looking after his fellow man and want, as you say wanting the best for people and he talks about the vital force is allows you to explore the higher purposes of your existence i mean that is such a good like remit for um you know health and well-being mm, and it's absolutely. one of the questions i like to ask people um although not everyone's thought about it but you know why are you here the big question let's talk about it <laughs> mm. now i know that um it must have been uh, obviously as you've just shared with me um it's been quite an interesting journey and uh you know growing up within a homeopathic community and uh of course having family who are interested is is always a very big plus point as well yeah. but i know that as a result of this you're actually now also um teaching aren't you at the school of homeopathy itself yeah. how's that yeah. getting along how are you going along with that and and uh, what is it specifically <clears throat> that you're focusing on and what's it like you know actually being in front of students can i call them students or you yeah, know absolutely. those who wish to learn Perhaps, yes. um, yeah of all ages as well and of all uh, ages. backgrounds yeah what's that what's that like do share thank you yes um well i 
I graduated in 2018, so um, it's not so long ago that I was a student too um, on the course. And I think that puts me in a, in a great position to, you know, have it fresh in my mind what the student experience is like mm. and what the workload is like and um, and how amazing a journey it can be to discover the treasure within homeopathy. Um, because for me, homeopathy is one of the things that really unites left and right brain in um in a unique way um we get to you know do all the analysis um we get to synthesize the you know in a holistic way we use our intuition we use our you know analytical mind um we use software that accesses a database that's been you know added to over 200 years of you know clinical cases and provings of different substances um so it's a very, very creative um, melting pot homeopathy. And I, I absolutely love um, bringing my kind of um, enthusiasm and passion for the subject to newcomers. So I mostly teach the first years. So I'm teaching them um, the organon, the and fundamental principles of healing. We talk about homeostasis, the doctrine of polarity. We introduce the miasms in year one and they get to learn Kent's repertory. Um, so all of those things are, you know, part of the teaching. Um, one of the other things that is part of School of Homeopathy is um, something called Mapamundi, which is like, a, um, you know, an ancient Greek system of looking at the four elements. Um, so they, you can sort of see them, how they operate in nature and how they operate in human beings, you know, when they're both healthy and when they're sick. Um, so that's one of the things that I sort of specialize in. That's something that you've worked on yourself, isn't it? It's uh, I've worked on it. Misha worked on it a lot. Um, mm. And Joseph Reeves from Israel, um, he worked on it a lot and sort right. of took the original idea from Empedocles and Hippocrates. They are the Hippocratic temperaments. So, you know, the, the founding father of medicine used mm. this system of, you know, seeing choleric, phlegmatic, melancholic and sanguine types you know, and typology is very interesting, like Jung used it as well, and astrology uses it. So something that allows me to bring together other disciplines and apply that to my understanding of patients in homeopathy. That's actually quite, um, quite fascinating, because um, it's, you have some, you have several tools there to yeah. be able to analyze a patient. Yeah. But they actually slot in so beautifully within the system and structure of homeopathy itself. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think um, one of the great thinkers uh, in the UK um, was Peter Fraser. He sadly passed away too um, last year. And, you know, he's somebody who is, you know, he's got a kind of like, like a quite a broad esoteric, um, you know, awareness of different esoteric subjects. And he brings those in. To homeopathy and i think that's very like fertile when you bring something else um and you're not just using you know homeopathy or you know not just looking at the established materia medica pictures and you, you know you're coming to it with a with an open mind as well so yeah the teaching i love it it's it's one of my favorite things to do actually and well i was nervous when i first started i wanted to be uber prepared uh, and these days um, I'm more relaxed about it. I can go away from my present, you know, my sort of structured lesson plans and notes and be more like interactive with the students and sort of gauging what their particular needs are. And 
the the numbers have been good have been good as well since covid i think it's um that whole thing and the lockdown and that sort of awareness of health and um the kind of way we interface with the conventional medical framework now is leading people to things like homeopathy and they want to study because they've seen good results and um you know and oftentimes it's um it's mothers who see good results for their children and they think i want to do that i want to study the school also has a um, correspondence course where you can do do the work from you know sort of an e-learning um you know for four years and you have to have your clinical hours etc but um those with those two sort of things combined the school is doing very well yeah I suppose to get the message out there, I think it's really, really important. A correspondence course can do great things, uh, just as well as actually attending a course in person. It really depends on one's background and aptitude and willingness, isn't it? Oh, do you know what? Sometimes the the, um, correspondence students, um, you know, they do one or two years and then they join the attendance course. And to have that tenacity to get through all of that material on your own, like often they're just like they're so on it um, when they mm. do come to the attendance course because um, they've done it off their own bat and that's that's it's impressive yeah I wanted to ask you about new provings yeah. I know that you've been involved with a number of provings related to some new remedies perhaps you can mm-hmm. just share some of your findings and uh, you know the process involved and and how yeah. you're finding that yeah, of course. Yeah, it was something started by the kind of new the movement of doing provings again was really given a lot of energy by Jeremy Sher, and then Misha followed suits and other people, and there was a real burgeoning of like willingness to undertake provings in the nineties. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of a lot more animal remedies were added to the Materia Medica. Um, where you know a lot of the information in the homeopathic database comes from herbalism and therefore there's a lot of plant remedies um and at the same time there was work done you know by homeopaths looking at the periodic table and you know looking at some of the lesser known elements in the periodic table and um proof, the proving itself is like the pillar of homeopathy it's how you can um gather together a broad picture of a new substance and Mm. what Hahnemann was doing was um looking at you know substances that were toxic basically and were being used by allopaths at the time so mercurius one of our you know remedies um was being given so mercury was being given to try to cure syphilis and it was Mm. suppressing it and you know creating a mercury disease so Hahnemann said we must have a proving of mercury those symptoms went into the materia medica and now it becomes a remedy that can treat a specific miasm and a specific set of symptoms, if you like, or someone who's got an inheritance from a family that were that had syphilis suppressed by mercury. You know, that travels all the way down the genes to mm. somebody born now, and they might need the remedy mercury. So the provings we're doing now, of course, are using contemporary people and contemporary issues come up in those provings in a way that they haven't done in provings of the past so there are certain um things that are much more prevalent now that aren't really talked about in the older texts of homeopathy and that are talked about in new provings so misha's first proving believe it or not was um 
the AIDS nosode. So, right. which is, you know, made from the blood of someone with, you know, tested HIV positive. And of course, in homeopathy, <clears throat> that is taken to a level where materially, you know, it doesn't exist anymore. But then you do the proving and um, it's the group of people don't know what it is. And then they have to record their symptoms and experiences over a period of time. And what we found is that the um, like the group who take the proving in our school uh, know each other. They've been together for two years studying. And then the proving itself is also a share. It's a kind of like um, looking at the way group dynamics work. Um, because the group becomes a lot more bonded by the experience and you see a lot of um, coherence in the types of symptoms and the type of life experiences they have in that two-month period. So the group seems to amplify the effects of the remedy in our experience. Um, so, you know, there's in the old days, provings were done with very, very low potencies and you would get some very nasty physical symptoms and um, we use 30c so it's it's more like you will get some symptoms you know of the nervous system but it's very unlikely to kind of you know it's not toxic basically um so you get more of a the picture of um coherence on the level of the mental and emotional and the nervous system and basically the remedy will affect each person slightly differently because everyone is unique everyone has a different constitution so it's very like difficult to um, work with all of that data and you know some will undoubtedly be belonging to the individual and some of it will be belonging to the influence of the remedy and so you have to kind of see when three or four people have had a similar symptom then that makes it more likely to be part of the remedy so um some of the remedies that we did recently um, were like a proving of two-toed sloth. And um, so, you know, it's a mammal remedy. And um, my brother lives in Costa Rica. So, you know, there was his partner at the time was a vet and the sloth got injured. And so we were able to get a hair sample of the sloth. Um, so the hair, you know, has the DNA. And um, we did a proving of sloth. And it had a very uh, coherent picture that... Um, is like you know aligned with the you know what we know about mammal remedies already um which we don't have to go into now but there are if you're interested you know all you have to do is type you know mammal remedies in homeopathy into google and you'll find articles about you know what what the core issues of the mammals are and they're they're an interesting group of remedies and they're and they're needed um right now by people i mean even in the classical materia medica there was lacconinum and they said dog's milk and yes. cat's milk were already there and cow's milk so the 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 older homeopaths already could see that milk as a substance was needed for people to to heal yeah that's the um sheer comprehensiveness of homeopathy as well that yeah. uh, because of this law of similars that uh, these new provings are taking place, and and uh, you know we were mentioning a, a book earlier on before the before our in, before our chat here today that you know with remedies for new ailments you know ailments yeah. um, not necessarily new let me rephrase that are very current now today yeah. you know yeah. in the 21st century in a connected world yeah uh, yes. where we're you know uh, bombarded with very different uh, frequencies than perhaps we were you know 100 years ago certainly 
without question life has changed immeasurably mm. <laughs> and the pace of life has increased immeasurably and um i don't know about you know your experience but for me it seems you have to give remedies uh, more frequently to most people these days um yes. maybe because the pace of life is so so sped up you know compared to 20 everyone's in a state of being highly not everybody but majority are very highly strung yeah and highly stimulated by mm. you know the the digital world especially but um yeah now you mentioned provings and um you have a new book so yes. we'd love to love to hear about that please yeah. uh do share with us uh what you've um written and uh what it's about thank you yeah it was um it came out of my experience at the school and okay so basically the school's curriculum is very, very broad. Um, so you learn in the first two years the classical materia medica, really, and classical techniques. And then in years three and four, it's quite influenced by Rajan Sankaran and, you know, a methodology where you can be a bit more expansive with how you look at remedies. Um, you can you can get clues from the patient as to, you know, a particular kingdom of remedies that you would be looking in. And so it's looking at, you know, the natural sciences and our understanding um, there and sort of applying that to people. And um, so, yeah, it's very broad. And I was taught lots of stuff and I wanted to be able to make that accessible for myself. So to make a kind of desktop guide to the animal kingdom, that was my intention. Um, there were several books already that talked about, you know, different groups like spiders, snakes insects, birds, mammals, and sea animals, them all into one book and make it quite concise. Um, <clears throat> and one of the remits as well was to quote provings and to quote other people in a way that was kind of compiling what all the different people had said over the last 30 years to make it really crystal clear to a newcomer or a graduate um, that this is what these animal remedies are about. And there were a couple of like, um, patients I had while I was under supervision where it was like everything I'd been taught about how an animal remedy would present was just like bang I was like wow that person so needs an animal remedy it's so aligns with what I've been taught and that experience powerfully um, amplifies I've been taught this and I'm now I've seen it in a very real way um, so that I think inspired me to write about animal remedies. I mean, animals are hugely fascinating anyway. And it just, it seemed at the time uh, Jonathan Hardy came to teach at the school and I've, you know, seen him teach at the faculty conferences and seen his cases. And I, I do prescribe a lot of animal remedies myself as well. Um, so I, I loved writing the book. It was, it was a labor of love for sure. Mm. Took about three years, I think with, periods of you know more fallow periods and then the editing at the end and doing all the referencing at the end was you know uni took a days. Long time <laughs> yeah yeah uni days exactly <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah but it was uh, you know i'm very i'm really glad that you know my publishing my publishers sort of um pushed me to do it in a very rigorous way uh so yeah that's that's what's the, book, uh, what's really. the name of the what's the name of the, the book the book is called um animalia animalia um and it's looking at the themes of the spiders birds insects mammals snakes and sea animals 
mainly. And it also introduces you to the way that I use uh, Mapamundi. Um, and each animal group is kind of put onto the circle of elements and temperaments to show you, well, to orientate what the themes of them are. Um, so, to you know, there's a basically homeopaths know every homeopath knows about the remedy tarantula and it's you know and its benefit for um children who are hyperactive mm. you know so the the diagnosis might be adhd and we see a child that um doesn't eat very much um that likes to dance and likes to move and is very you know hyper um they might have a you know certain food cravings and they they might even like wait and hide and jump onto people's backs you know i have actually seen that um and you know children are great because they literally they don't compensate <laughs> you know they act out what remedy they, they need so you know the spiders in general have you know have some of that about them and so to know that means that you might give tarantula first but you might also there might be other spider remedies out there that are you know more specific or more unique for that first really really interesting actually and i think what's uh very, very commendable, of course, is that you've put it all together because there are several um, texts available, of course, but um, to put everything together uh, in one book, I think, makes it a very good focal point, uh, focal reference point, um, which can be actually used quite methodically now. So, yeah, uh, yeah congratulations on that. And uh, wishing you. you great success uh, with the book and uh, with the remedies being used by by homeopaths. Thank you very much. Yeah, yeah. Appreciate it. So what's on the horizon? I'm always fascinated. I do ask everybody that yeah. I uh, talk to, what are you working on? Anything you, you'd like to share? Well, it's, um, so now I have a two-year-old. Uh, I'm basically treading water with, um, with you know, with work. Um, so I, I don't have any new books um, in, the, in the offing just yet. Um, I would like to write again one day absolutely um we do a new proving with the school every year and my teaching role is going to you know get bigger within the attendance course of the school um which i'm excited for and uh i continue to work with radar opus um and that's also a good collaboration because um you know i'm a big repertory guy i do you know i learn so much from working with them um about the repertory and all the kind of hidden corners within it and um i've i've even kind of made a couple of my own repertories which you can use in radar opus that sort of simplify picking mind symptoms which can be very very challenging finding the right one so um at the moment i'm kind of keeping the ball rolling with the repertory side of things i'm working on a mapamundi repertory which kind of lists some of the remedies that could be aligned with each element and my other idea is that um you know the boninghausen therapeutic pocketbook you know mm. an amazing repertory um but only has the original remedies of homeopathy in it so my idea is to just make a simplified structure of the pocketbook look you know looking at the affinities and sensations and modalities and putting in the new remedies alongside the you know the ones that are in the original so that you can work in the Boninghausen way and still have access to new clinical findings and new provings. That's uh, that, that sounds fascinating actually. And it brings the repertory into the 21st century. Of course. Well, it will bring the repertory into the 21st century, certainly. 
Yeah. Great. Um, Luke Norland, it's been an absolute pleasure. Um, really happy and delighted you came on the show. And uh, of course, I certainly hope later this year you will come back and um, we can talk some more. I'd love to. I really appreciate you um, reaching out to me and getting in touch and um, for asking, you know, asking such good questions and being a good listener. Thank you. It's It's been wonderful. I've, I've learned a great deal from you. So um, thank you. God bless you. And uh, hopefully we'll talk very, very soon. I'd love that. Thank you. I do hope you've enjoyed the Homeopathy Health Show here on UK Health Radio, the world's number one talk health radio. Tune in next time for more things homeopathy, interviews and segments on the healing possibilities that homeopathy can bring you. And don't forget to visit UK Health Radio online at www.ukhealthradio.com to see the many other amazing shows available to listen live and on demand. Or why not download the app from the iOS and Android stores. Until next time, stay safe and take care.